As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Part one of the Week 12 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. Hey, guys, have you ever wanted to place a bet but didn't because you were afraid to pick the wrong team? Well, Thanksgiving is only a couple of days away, and it's finally possible for you to get a 100% refund on your bet if you lose it. With the Turkey Day free play, you can bet the spread on either the Bears or the Lions. If your bet wins, you win. If it loses, my bookie will give your money back up to $250. You literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. MyBookie offers such a great product, and there has literally never been a better time to try them out. Unless your sports book is offering deals like this, I think you should make the switch. I've never heard of anything, any sports book doing a freebie like this, and I doubt I ever will uh, again. These guys are trustworthy, fast, and helpful, so I know that they're good for it. New to sports betting and have a lot of questions? That's okay, too because MyBookie's patient customer service can walk you through any questions you have about how betting works. Sign up this week, and MyBookie will give you a 50% bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Log into MyBookie right now and use the promo code BEARS25 to get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BEARS25. You don't need a promo code for the Turkey Day free play, though. If you lose, MyBookie will credit the money back into your account automatically. So what are you waiting for? Sign up today and don't miss out on the gravy train at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on? Part one of the uh, Week 12 preview uh, of the Bears Talk Underground. And, um, hey, the Internet was cooperative today, so I had to do some computer fixes. It actually wasn't my Internet at all. Uh, it was something going on with my computer. I had to get it defragged and clean this out and clear this cache and move this over here and uh delete skype and then re-edit and whatnot just got done having a a nice conversation with our good friend jeremy reisman and uh not one single problem the whole conversation so i'm very happy to be able to report that to you and to have a part one of this preview uh and, you know to interview uh jeremy and talk about game one between the bears and the lions a few weeks ago uh, not even a few weeks ago, a week and a half ago, what uh, what what went right for the the Lions this past Sunday for them to be able to beat the Panthers uh, on Sunday and and what to look forward to uh, this coming Thursday. You know, we might be without Mitch Trubisky. It could be Chase Daniel under center. They're not going to have Carryon Johnson running the uh, running the football. Darius Slay may or may not be back in their secondary uh, for them. The one that we torched, you know, just a few days ago he would be a huge step up in uh in quality as far as their defensive backfield is concerned um it's there's a lot of uh, questions and moving parts going into this game uh on thursday i'll talk about everything tomorrow night in the second half uh, of the preview but for now i'm gonna step aside myself and jeremy reisman previewing week number 12 between the bears and lions on thanksgiving day
stop me if you've heard this recently, but the Bears and the Lions are playing. Um, I know we just said that literally was what like nine days ago from when we, from when we're having this conversation right now. It was nine days ago that the Bears and the Lions played, and yet we're only we're less than forty eight hours away from them doing it again on Thanksgiving morning, essentially in Detroit. The seven and three Bears, the four and six Lions, uh, doing it for the second time in a short period of time, and because we are gluttons for punishment. We brought Jeremy Reisman back on the show <laughs> to talk about this, uh, to talk about the rematch uh, in which the Bears finally won one. Jeremy, how about that? Hey, I, I'm I'm happy. I guess it's, I'll I'll <laughs> you know what I'll allow that intro, which actually might be one of my favorite intros I've ever gotten on a podcast. Thank you. Just because the Lions are on a one game winning streak. Yes, you know, we and, call and that, we, we do call that a winning streak. You in do, Detroit, by the way. Wow, things are that slim these days, huh? But, uh, you know, and, and when we were messaging to, to lock up our, our, uh, our interview tonight, I did say that uh, I did mention that I was very happy to see that you guys beat the Panthers. So it's not the Bears who, uh, who are having to face a team that's trying to break a, what, a four or five game losing streak if it had gotten that far? Yeah, it would have been four. We were on a, on a three game losing streak, broke that. And uh, yeah, heading into this Bears game should be, should be interesting with, uh, with some kind of twists Yes. Even though the teams played nine days ago, there could be uh, some different personnel that we're seeing. Very much uh, that is the case. Uh, Nagy finally addressed the media uh, today and um, is not showing his hand. He Basically, he's, he's just fine letting uh, Matt Patricia practice for both of our quarterbacks. Although the rumor mill says it's most likely going to be Chase Daniel on Thursday instead of Trubisky, which I'm sure is great news for you guys after 355 and four touchdowns uh, nine days ago. So, um, you know, what do you think they would do different, if anything, if it's Daniel back there instead of Trubisky? I guess the only thing that I can really come up with, and, and it's simply because Chase hasn't played much at all in his nine-year NFL career. He started two games. Right. Uh, so I think they might try to run the ball. And... If, if that's the case, it kind of actually plays into the Lions' strength mm -hmm. because they, they've been on a tear in the last two weeks, including against that Bears team two weeks ago uh, when they held <clears throat> Jordan Howard to just 21 yards on 11 carries. Yeah. Uh, but as, as we were kind of saying off air, Chase Daniel is like a, a Matt Nagy expert. Right. They've been, they've been linked together forever. He knows the offense really well. The question is just whether he can execute it. Well, in I mean – into throwing the ball and making the right reads and, and all that. I, I think, I think you can't question his mind in terms of, you know, being there in the, in the film room and, and giving Mitchell Trubisky all the, you know, study habits that he needs. Mm -hmm. Question is just whether he can go out and, and do what Trubisky does. Sure. Sure. I mean, that's, that's definitely a valid uh, concern for any bear fan about whether or not Daniels or Daniel can do uh, what he needs to, uh, to help the bears get a win I mean, if in it's like you, you, I personally liked what I saw from Daniel in the preseason. Trubisky barely played uh, in the right. preseason. Uh, Nagy was content with what he was seeing in practice, letting the backups play uh, uh, in the preseason. So I do have somewhat of a comfort level with Chase Daniel, but obviously that was 12 weeks ago, and uh, you know a lot has changed since then, uh, including you know adding Khalil Mack to the team and 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 all the rest of it, it's, um, it's going to be interesting. Like I, I have a, a, a small sense of confidence 
at knowing that that he is the veteran, he does know the offense, so it's not like he's got to come in and try to learn it or anything like that. But you know, he has been standing on the sidelines for the last three months and not playing and growing with this offense. Right, and he's also not necessarily developed the chemistry with these receivers. You know, he's probably throwing with the, a bunch of guys that aren't playing most of the weeks. Um, and then you have a short week this week where you can't really. I don't think you can necessarily get that sort of chemistry in walkthroughs, which right. is essentially all that both the Lions and Bears are doing in the lead up to this game. So I, I'm very interested. And and the other kind of wild card here in this specific matchup is that Darius Slay is probably expected to play this week, where oh, okay. he didn't in the in the previous matchup two weeks ago. So um, in, in terms of injuries and and that side of the ball, I think it actually favors the Lions a little bit there, obviously, but. Um, considering how well the Bears performed passing the ball against the Lions last time, um, the the Lions' defense can only go up because, yeah, uh, you know, you, you look at what Allen Robin, Robinson did in that game. You did look at what Anthony Miller did in that game. Um, they weren't necessarily tough throws that Mitchell Trubisky had to make. Those guys were getting wide open. Yeah. And not to take anything away from Trubisky, he played a great game. But I think some of those throws Chase Daniel could definitely make. Oh, for sure. I mean, the thing about it is that, you know, it's been an up and down year for Trubisky. He's been kind, he's constantly grown throughout the year, but the things that like that touchdown pass to Anthony Miller, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times he's missed a wide open Anthony Miller. <laughs> so the fact that the two of them connected when he was open like that was a victory in itself. And then right. making the, the tackle miss and then running it in for the touchdown was just icing on the cake, uh, you know, on that particular play there there have been so many times you know early on earlier on and recently uh in the year that that he's missed wide open like Anthony Miller made a promise coming into the season that he was going to score eight touchdowns as a rookie he scored five so far with six games left to go but it's like he made that prediction saying that he was going to score eight touchdowns from a quarterback that threw for seven last year (laughs) you know it's like man this kid's really uh you know really think something uh, of himself and then every time you see Trubisky try to connect with Miller Miller's open you yeah. know it's it's not like these balls are getting knocked away by defense defenders or he's trying to put it into a tight window Miller is always a step open he's always wide open and it's always a potential for some kind of big play and he just kept missing him just kept missing him kept missing him so when he scored that one touchdown uh on uh, last Sunday he was uh, he was open. They connected, and then he took it in for a touchdown. So it was just like gravy on top of gravy on that one particular <laughs> play because he he just kept missing Anthony Miller when he was open uh, like that. And and then you like you said you saw that happen with with Robinson. Um, he came back with a vengeance after being out for a couple of uh, of weeks. And and you're right. The only thing that didn't work for the Bears on offense was uh, the running game. But they did a little bit better against. Uh, Minnesota, and I'm hearing that, um, you know, because I don't get to watch the All-22s, that they went with more of the zone-blocking scheme that Howard has had success with in his first two years. Like, whatever they were doing before, they changed it, and we saw them do a little bit better against Minnesota this past Sunday. Yeah, and it'll, that'll be an interesting matchup, too, because, like like I said, the Lions' run defense has been really, really good in the past couple weeks, and, yeah. and that includes a, a Panthers team that was one of the best rushing attacks in the league and and basically Lions held Christian McCaffrey to I'm sure fantasy owners know that he basically produced nothing in that game 
and Cam Newton also couldn't run the ball much. I think he only had two rushing yards in that game. And the Lions were actually shorthanded in that game. Ashawn Robinson didn't play in that game, and mm. um, he could possibly return in this game. Um, it's kind of hard to tell with the injury reports, seeing as the, the teams have only done walkthroughs and simulated practices. Right. But Ashawn was limited in those practices, which is a step up from last week when he was just out. So um, I, I think that could be a toss-up. I, like I said, I think the Lions won that matchup last time the two teams played, but the Bears also just didn't need to run the ball that much because Mitchell true. Trubisky was just lighting up the Lions secondary. But I think this is uh, kind of the marquee matchup, especially if we're going to see Chase Daniels. we got to see um, how the Bears are going to be able to attack the Lions this week and if they're going to change their their method of attack since last time didn't work so well. Maybe they go to more of that zone running scheme you were talking about. They had success on Sunday against the, the Vikings, but um, that, that could be the key matchup, I think, uh, on Thursday. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree because you know we got a guy that hasn't played much. Where, you know, I think either Nagy's going to come out and we're going to throw on the first five plays, or we're going to run <laughs> on the yeah. first five plays to kind of ease Daniel into the game. Or do we have him throwing right away to try to get some kind of you know confidence and rhythm going you know early on? So I think it's going to be one extreme or the other. I don't think we're going to see that mixture that Nagy likes to throw out there. You know, right off the bat, I think we're either going to run Jordan Howard five straight times or we're going to throw the ball, you know, even, you know, short little five in five yard outs or something like that just to get some completions under his belt and, and you know, get the blood flowing uh, yeah. a bit is, is what I think we might see uh, on Thursday. So um, health wise, how are you guys doing? You say you're getting Slay back. You might get Ashawn Robinson back. Anybody else? Well, I think I think the injury news on Detroit side is actually mostly the negative uh, mm. variety and, and it starts right with carry on Johnson who, who yeah. suffered a sprained wow. knee on, on Sunday against the Panthers and uh, smart money is on him missing a couple games. Um, definitely this week. Um, right. They haven't declared him out yet, but I'm fully expecting him to miss this game. And that's huge because yeah. you look at the rest of that backfield and they've got nobody to run the ball. <laughs> nobody. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt was supposed to be his backup this year. The guy who's kind of, the, the change of pace guy, but LeGarrette Blunt has averaged literally less than a yard in his last 20 carries. Wow. So I believe it's 21. His last 21 carries have gone for a total of 17 yards. Mm. And we just, we saw in the second half game of that Panthers game, they tried to run some of their carry on Johnson plays with LeGarrette Blunt and it did not go well, as you may expect. <laughs> um, so uh, one guy you might want to look out for and, uh, Maybe he's a familiar name. Maybe he's not. Zach Zenner is a guy mm. that they added a couple weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get somewhere between five and ten carries in this game. He's had mild success in the past. Um, this is kind of a new offense for him with a new offensive line coach and, and some shakeups, uh, obviously, on personnel as well. Um, but other than that, Theo Riddick isn't much of a runner between the tackles. He's more of a, a pass protector and a, and a route runner. Um, and, and like I said, LeGarrette Blunt's just not that dude. So I think one of the, one of the ways that the Lions are going to win this game is the way they've won it, won all four of their games this year. Every single game that they've won this year, they're 4-0 when Carrion Johnson hits 70 rushing yards. They're huh. 0-6 when he doesn't. And obviously they're not going to have him today, so they're going to have to find up some other formula to win on offense. And sure. I, I just don't see it happening through the run game, especially when you consider just how good the Spears' defense is. Right. Well, we were kind of fresh off of of the, the trade deadline the last time that we talked. And um, we talked about the Golden Tate trade and the, the Snacks-Harrison trade and how they kind of 
in a way canceled each other out as far as the message that was being sent. And if there was something that was missing from the offense when they when we played the first time around, it was somebody other than Kenny Galladay to throw the football to. Yeah. Um, because when I went back and, and looked and I saw that the targets, Theoretic was number two, but Kenny Galladay had more than double the amount of targets that he threw to, in, in Theoretic's uh, direction, and Galladay only caught about half of those targets. I think it was like 13 targets for six catches uh, yeah. in, uh, in the Bear game. It was just like they really needed Golden Tate in this game. They needed an alternative to Galladay, and they just didn't have it. Was there some? Did they have some success against Carolina throwing the football, or what was it that got you guys the W uh, on Sunday? Well, I mean, I have two points to bring up here. One is that the lines are even more shorthanded this week, oh, uh, probably because it looks like Marvin Jones Jr. is also going to miss this game. Um, he played in about three quarters in that Bears game before he suffered um, what was uh, what appears to be some sort of knee injury, also kind of knee sprain adjacent or so, but. Uh, the, the one positive that we saw last week against the Panthers was the emergence of Bruce Ellington, which is a guy that they okay. added, um, right before the bears, yeah. game, but they didn't, they didn't have him active for that game. Cause he was still kind of learning the offense. Sure. Um, he, he plays pretty much the exact same role that golden Tate plays. He, they ran a lot of golden Tate plays with Bruce Ellington and to mixed success. I mean, you're obviously not going to replace golden Tate 100%. You know, he, he's one of the best receivers in the game at getting yards after the catch but Bruce Ellington is kind of an undersold signing that they made it, it certainly I mean it's very clear what his role is with the team he's, he's kind of that yak guy he's a little shifty um he just never has had the targets or the success or or the health that he was able to to put together a lot of stats and so yes last week's game against the Seahawks it was actually his second career best game of his career Hmm. And and in that sense, I think it was only about 55 yards. So we're not talking a huge <laughs> amount of performance. Um, yeah, six catches, 52 yards. But I think you're going to see a lot of him in this game because, like you said, that was what the this offense was missing. They were looking for an identity. They tried theoretic in the slot. It didn't work. I think Bruce Ellington is going to be that guy. The question is, who else is going to step up? Because there really wasn't anyone else outside of Kenny Galladay who had a monster game against the Panthers. He he essentially took over that game in the fourth quarter, willed the Lions to a victory there. A um, couple amazing catches, eight catches total, 113 yards, and, and the game-winning score at the uh, with about four minutes left to go. Um, but I don't think the Lions offense is is going to be capable of of doing what, they're, what they did against the Panthers because Carrion Johnson was also so key to the success in that game. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry before he left with injury, mm. almost at 100 yards without even playing much at all in the second half. Um, that sort of balance they're just not going to be able to have against this Bears team. Uh, I think the Bears defense is miles better than what the Panthers defense is, so they're going to have to have someone step up, and I don't know who that is. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a tight end. Michael Roberts, a uh, tight end who's missed a couple games, might be returning this week. Lions haven't gotten almost any production out of tight ends this year, so that's a one potential guy that might step up. Maybe they go back to theoretic a little bit more. Um, th- there's just really not that many other candidates, which is such a it, it's so tough to be so bare with your your offensive weapon arsenal when yeah. you're facing a team like the Chicago Bears. But that's kind of the state of the team right now. Well, a year ago, if you'd have made a complaint like this, I'd have said, welcome to my world, buddy, (laughs) because we had a bare cupboard, no pun intended, when it came to offensive targets Mm -hmm. or options to throw the football to last year. So I feel your pain, my friend. I definitely I definitely know 
uh, what's going on there. Well, you've only got one decent guy to throw the football to, and everybody knows it. So that's you got. He's going to win quadruple coverage because nobody else is a threat, uh, you know, or or they're you know they're, your your opponents are scheming on 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 one particular aspect of your offense, and that's that's the only bullet you have in the chamber, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and as far as the passing game in the first time around, it was Kenny Galladay or bust as far as who Stafford had to who had to look for. And, you know, it was, um, you know, it just it didn't work out at all uh, uh, for you guys. But what um, one actually speaking of Stafford, he stayed clean on Sunday, didn't he? Or was only one sack as opposed to giving up six to the Bears and ten the week before to to uh, to Minnesota. I'm, I'm thinking maybe Panther fans thought that they were going to be walking into a, <laughs> a swinging gate, you know, in 16 sacks in the last two games. And did they only get him once or did they not get him at all? I, I heard that. It was a vast improvement in pass protection on Sunday. Yes, yeah, they they did get to him once, uh, okay. but but you're it was Julius Peppers and Julius Peppers just I think his body is literally a magnet towards Matthew Stafford. So whatever team he's on, that's true. He's going to get at yeah. least one sack on Matthew Stafford. But uh, yeah, it, I mean it was a drastic improvement, and I think part of it was the aforementioned run game and and how the lines were able to to have some success there. But I think we also saw a little bit of a change in philosophy, and part of it came with that Bruce Ellington addition. Um, Stafford got the ball out quicker than he has all year against the Panthers. Um, a lot of a lot of short, quick passes, which is kind of what this offense has become under offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. Had to get his name in there once. Nice, uh, but but it's come at the expense of deep shots. Um, this team doesn't take a lot of deep passes anymore. They they come with all these kind of short yardage plays, which is why the, the Golden Tate trade was so puzzling at the time because he was so emblematic of, of what this offense is. But now that the Lions have Bruce Ellington, now that they have Kenny Galladay to to a certain effect, while, while Galladay is a great downfield threat, threat he also can, can kind of turn on the Jets with the ball in his hand. So um, I, I guess that was kind of – I think it was more philo- philosophical – change than anything that that allowed Stafford to, to have a little bit of more a little bit more time a little bit more security in the backfield there but um also I mean if we're if we're just being real here the Bears and the Vikings front seven are, are a lot better than the Panthers sure, and, sure. and um I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bears see some of that success that they saw a couple weeks ago but I, I don't think it'll necessarily be six sacks because the Lions offense has, has kind of finally woken up to the fact that they can't protect Matthew Stafford on five-step drops against good defenses. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think he'll still deal with a lot of pressure. I mean, Khalil Mack is is still on the team, so yeah, uh, that's a guy you you have to account for no matter how short your dropbacks are. But um, I, I think the lines are finally starting to realize they need to get that ball out a little quicker. Yeah, that would probably be a uh, a good idea uh, considering the. The sack that uh, that that uh, Mac had. Um, who's your left tackle? Yeah, the Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker, right? When he uh, shot put it, Taylor Decker into the back of the legs of uh, Matt Stafford there in that that fourth quarter sack, and then he did it to Riley Reef. So two lions he uh, ended yes. up uh, victimizing uh, in this pretty much the same way. He did that old uh, that old Reggie White one arm shove yeah. thing to, to get him out of the way um, uh, against Riley Reef uh, on Sunday. But, Thanks um, again, Raiders. I, I really appreciate that trade, <laughs> John Gruden. Yeah, I mean he had to have his Santa hat on or something, dude. It was it was Christmas in September because 
I mean, I was act- I just talked about this on on the review show last night. I was uh, texting my buddy during the game on Sunday, and and seriously, after Mac did he. He was being blocked by two guys, somehow still tackled Dalvin Cook, forced a fumble, and recovered it with half a football team laying on his back. I'm like, I, how does he do that? What the hell was Gruden thinking? Honestly, what was he thinking? Because the, even, even though he got a ransom of picks from us, those picks are going to have to be perennial all pros their entire career for this to even look like it was in Oakland's favor at all. It, you know, it, makes, it makes so sense. And then to go back, like, Two weeks after he makes a trade, he goes, you know what? It's hard to find good pass rushers in this league. Like, he it, actually John? said those words. He did. He did. He actually said them out loud to the press corps that, uh, you know, was as dumbfounded as the rest of us are, bro. It's like, what? First of all, you make this trade and then you sit there and complain about how you don't have any pass rush help. Seriously? Yeah, your pass rush help is wearing 52 in Chicago, bro. That's where it's at right now. So it's like, yeah, I wouldn't say that out loud too many more times, man. You might not live very much longer in, in Oakland. It was just like, I, it's like, seriously, what was he thinking when he did that? I mean, does, was he that desperate to be the man in the locker room that he would give up a generational player just to be the cock of the walk in his own locker room? I, I just still can't quite wrap my head around what the thought process might have been uh, on that. So. Me neither, but I, I, I'm just thankful that the train wreck is just as bad as I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was pulling for Gruden when he got the job. Hey, man, he's, you know, he's won it. He's going back to the Raiders. So, you know, uh, righting a wrong in a sense, you know, like the year after he left, the Raiders made it to the Super Bowl without him only to get beaten by him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, but right. it's like, you know, he finally got to go back. So to finish what he started, essentially. You know, he didn't get to take the Raiders to the Super Bowl like you wanted to. So now he's back in Oakland to, to to do it and be the head coach of this the new franchise that's moving out to Las Vegas in a year or two and, and, and all the rest of that stuff. And I was excited and he got an insane amount of money to come out of retirement and all that kind of stuff. And it just uh yeah, it's been horrific. I mean it's <laughs> he's lucky he's got ten years and that he's getting paid as much as he is because Right. He's he's gonna have to earn every dollar if he's gonna make this look like anything other than what it already is, right? Which is a right. monumental mistake. <laughs> but uh, back to our teams, um, you know, it, it's you know, I I was um, really surprised uh, with um, with how well the Bears threw the ball uh, against the Lions, but then of course that was probably because. Darius Slay, your one Pro Bowl player that you still have on the team, wasn't it? Well, is Ziggy Ansah a Pro Bowler? He was, yeah. He was. He was. One okay, year. so you yep. got two. Um, but he was on his, what, his first game back. So he was on a pitch count, essentially, that first time yep. around, right? Uh, yeah, that was either his first or second game back. But, yeah, definitely a pitch count. He's still kind of on a pitch count, but, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, – I was surprised that, that, you know, the level of ease uh, that we had, you know, was it, was it a scheme thing? Like, you've had a chance to watch the All-22, I'm sure. Was it more of a scheme thing? Was there miscommunications out there? You know, what what was – because when we were open, we were wide open. Right. I mean, there wasn't a guy within yards of where the football ended up uh, being, and it was, you know, easy pitch and catch for Mitch and his receivers on those days. I would say it was about 90% execution. Okay. Um, the Lions secondary is not good. It's kind of a mess, and part of it is the failure to develop – second-year cornerback Tease Tabor, who was victimized several times in that game. Hmm. Um, Nevin Lawson is a guy who constantly is in the right position to play 
to make plays, but has never made a single play in his life. Literally doesn't have a single interception in his career, and he plays a lot. Um, beyond that, you're talking about Glover Quinn, who's clearly past his prime at this point, which is a sad thing to say because he's one of the most real players on that team, and he's, he was fantastic for this team a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it got so bad that last week they, they started Mike Ford, who you've probably never heard of, and that's because he's an undrafted rookie, and mm-hmm. that was his first career game. And they trotted him out for 50% of the snaps. They, against the Bears or the Panthers? Against the Panthers last okay. week. Um, and he probably looked like the, the second-best cornerback on the team but next to Darius Slay, and that's not a good thing because he didn't really play that well either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of this Mike Ford guy opposite um, Slay in this game, and assuming that Slay does play. And you, you just saw that this Bears roster is just more talented on, on the outside that the, than the Lions are, which is something like, like you kind of alluded to last year, not not something we were used to seeing. No. Um, but that that is absolutely the, the case here. And what we saw last week against the Panthers, um, and when we heard some of the Panthers players say it after the game, was that they saw a little bit of a, of a change in defensive scheming. Um, which is something that we were kind of promised in the Matt Patricia era, but haven't really seen much up until now. And I think they're playing more of a zone coverage type of thing because they they don't have those talented uh, cornerbacks, defensive backs that that can really play man to man. Because that's really when the Bears beat them is in those man to man situations where right off the snap they they had already lost. You know, one or two steps into the route, the Lions defensive back was either you know turning the wrong direction or, or, you know, took a misstep to the other way. And, and the bears receivers are just dominating all that game. So I think we might see a little more zone coverage. Um, obviously you, you don't want to game plan too differently um, from, from your original game plan, not because things didn't work. Things obviously didn't work last time, but you're on a short week here. You know, your opponent, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. You can't change too much. You just make a little defensive, uh, little change in defensive play calling. But, Overall, I, I think we might see a little bit of shift to more zone, and, and that might help out a little bit. But the, the talent level in that line secondary is just so low right now that I can't see that the Bears receivers as talented as they are taking advantage of that. Right, right. So with the um, with the victory on on Sunday, you know, did was it was it turnovers or? You know that that kept things that kept things close, or are the Panthers just not as good at passing uh, the football? Because you said you were able to shut down the run, but you know they got Cam Newton, and uh, I don't know how Greg Olson is healthy if he's not, or whatever's going on with him these these days. So you know where where was it that the the the, the Bears succeeded that the Panthers couldn't on Sunday? It's kind of a, an interesting question because you look at the stat sheet and then you watch the game, and it looked like Cam Newton was kind of controlling that game. Huh. I mean, he he completed three hundred twenty five of thirty seven for three hundred fifty seven yards, three touchdowns, wow. almost ten point zero yards per attempt. So he didn't struggle in this game. But the odd thing is that they scored on the very first possession of the game. Cam uh-huh. Newton, I think, was a fir- perfect seven for seven for eighty yards, very first drive of the game. <laughs> then they didn't score until the the last half of the fourth quarter. They went scoreless during the second and the third quarter, and most of the fourth quarter, and. It was a combination of things. It was part part of it was just good run defense that got the Panthers into a lot of third downs. Part of it was special teams, um, which is an odd thing to say because the Lions' special teams have been so bad this this year. 
They were able to pin the Panthers three times inside their own 10-yard line. And part of it was just getting off the field on third down, Um, forcing so many third downs with that good run defense that eventually Cam Newton was going to make a mistake or there was going to be a drop or or, or the Lions picked up uh, three sacks on the day. So um, it was just – I I would say most of it was just kind of everything coming together. Okay. um, Except for the coverage because the coverage was still bad. The the pass coverage, still pretty bad. The pass rush, inconsistent, but everything else was working. Special teams, run defense, and and offense kind of putting the the Panthers into bad situations. Offense didn't turn the ball over at all, um, which is something that we saw happen in the Bears game. So uh, I I think basically everything else was kind of rolling along as it should outside of the coverage uh, in the secondary, and and that was able to, to hold the Panthers to just 19 points on the day. Wow. Yeah, I mean it was. Um, I mean, and and truth be told, I, I you know the, the fact that the Panthers didn't win is Cam Newton's fault. Yeah, um, that two point play at the yep. end, his receiver was open. Yep. He just laid the, one of the worst throws possible to a wide open guy that you could that you could see. You know, absolutely. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, all credit to the Lions for winning the game and getting up to that point with the lead and everything. Right. But you should have lost the game. Um, you know, that, that throw from, from Newton was like, dude, what was that? It was almost, did you have a chance to see it all? The Ohio state Maryland finish on Saturday. I was going to bring it up myself. It It was was almost the the exact exact same same thing. Yeah. The guy's standing there wide open in the middle of, you know, uh, the sea of bodies. He, all he has to do is throw the ball to him. And I don't know if he thought he was going to break to the left because that's where he threw it. Right. You know, but it was nowhere near where his receiver was and they ended up, uh, missing the opportunity to upset Ohio State uh, on Saturday. That's essentially that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw Newton sail that ball over his receiver's head like that. Yeah, no question. Same same kind of thought went through my head, and it it changes the narrative of the game, right? It, yeah. If if he completes that pass, and suddenly we're talking more about what I'm just talking about now, how the Lions secondary kind of blew in that game, and a lot of uh, a lot. I mean, actually, on that play specifically, that was probably more on the Lions' pass rush because. Cam Newton should not have that much time on a, on a two down and a two point conversion. Obviously yeah. the Lions um, were concerned about him running on that play. So they did have a spy on that, on that play and they didn't want to overcommit to him because he can make them play, pay with his legs. But at the same time, you can't let him sit in the pocket that comfortably for that long because someone's eventually going to break open and they did. But uh, Cam Newton's inaccuracy issues kind of stuck him in the butt again, which is something that just kind of pops up every now and then with him for, for whatever reason. So with the Lions at at four and six, you're at I think what like number ten or eleven on the playoff list yes. right now, but not completely out of it because there's a slew of five and five teams uh, in front of you right now. So I mean, aside from you're at home, it's Thanksgiving, it's a short week. The Bears have about you know eight or nine hours less to get ready for this game we might be playing it without our starting quarterback there's a lot I mean aside from all the positive things you've said about the Lions in the last few minutes that make me feel not too bad about our chances on on Thursday there is a lot working in in the Lions favor does any kind of I don't want to use the word desperation or whatever as far as like trying to make a playoff run do you think that's going to have any kind of effect on this team on on Thursday coming into this game against the division leader, against the team you just lost to a week and a half ago, um, you know, to see if it will give them an extra a boost aside from the stage itself, national TV or at home, Thanksgiving and, and what have you? 
But do you think that fa- will factor in at all that, uh, that you're in do- you're in playoff mode right now? Because if you lose another game or two, it's all the way over. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, that's a, it's a tough question to answer because I'm not in in the brains of, of these players. I'm I'm kind of one that doesn't really put emotions into into the factors of the game that mm-hmm. much even though it's obviously an emotional game filled with emotional players that are that are humans not just robots playing the game but uh I, I, you're absolutely right that the team's back is against the wall at this point yeah um then the playoff picture actually rolled out very nicely for them this past week because a whole bunch of teams lost that are in that playoff on washington lost obviously the panthers lost the vikings lost the Packers lost, the Falcons lost, the Eagles lost. We're, we're yeah. talking about a lot of teams that are supposed to be in this playoff hunt uh, losing over the weekend, and, and the Lions are technically less than two games out of a wild card spot right now, yeah. which is crazy to think about, but the problem is that they they have lost a bunch of tiebreakers already. They've already lost to the Cowboys, who are going to be in the hunt. They've already lost to the Seahawks, who are already in the hunt. They're, they already lost to the Vikings, who are already in the hunt, um, and, and they're only 2-5 and five in the conference, and that's also oh, a big tiebreaker. okay. Yeah. So um, the Lions are essentially going to be have to be probably ten and six, which means winning out. Nine and seven might get them in, but when you think they have the Rams coming in off a of bye week next week, you got to win this one. You got to win this one if there's, if there's any chance. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know you guys had you still had the Rams uh, on tap after just after they combined for over a thousand yards of offense and 105 right. points last night. Um, the, the, yeah. the good news for the Lions, if they if they can somehow get out of these next two games at least one and one, mm-hmm. the schedule kind of lightens up for them. They got the Cardinals, they got the Bills, they got, and okay. then they finish off with the the Vikings and the and the Packers. And who knows who the Packers are going to be at that point? And the Vikings sure. are, you know, they're kind of starting to show some flaws of their own. Um, but yeah, they have to get back past these next two games at least one and one. I think they need to be two and zero oh for any chance sure. to, to make the postseason and. Um, it, as you've probably guessed from my candor so far, I don't think this team is anywhere near capable of winning. Yeah, no, the I, I, I saw your I saw your <laughs> tweets, man. I saw your tweets. So, you know, I was just wondering if you thought that you know, in in if like you said, if you you know, if if you put yourself in the mind of one of these guys, or if you're one of the coaches, do you try to feed some emotion into it? You know, it's it's do or die, guys. I know we got six games left, but we've lost six games already. And ten and six is probably what you need to make the playoffs in the NFC uh, these days, and uh, so that means you know we got to go undefeated, you know, for you know that to to be able to to even sniff the the playoffs at this point. I didn't know, however, I didn't uh, know that they were two and five in the conference yeah. um, the, this year. So that was uh, I was not aware uh, of that, but uh, yeah, that definitely changes some things. Like you said, that's uh, there's some tiebreakers that are going to hurt you. Uh, in the uh, in the long run, it's like the the one positive thing about the Bears losing to the Patriots and the Dolphins is that those tiebreakers don't really count. I mean, as far as you you got to get way down on the tiebreaker list for common opponents to come into it. Right, right, yeah, and and that's that's what makes the the line slow start of the season really hurt. I mean, that that loss to the Forty ers in Week Two is just unacceptable. And granted, Jimmy Garoppolo was still playing then, but. Um, that, that's just not a team that you can necessarily lose to that early in the season. And, and the Lions' big wins this season came against teams in the AFC, against the Patriots and against the Dolphins. And, and, and those game, those wins are great, and it's the reason why the Lions are still semi-relevant right now. But um, losing to the Seahawks, to the Cowboys, 
to the 49ers. Those are the games that really, really hurt you early in the season and really put you behind the eight ball where you have to be in a do or die situation in week 12. And that's not really where anyone wants to be. Right. So if you're, if you're Matt Patricia, if you're Matt Stafford, what's it going to take to win on Sunday? Sunday, just, Thursday. What the hell am I saying? <laughs> just out of habit, my well, pardon. First, it's show up on Thursday, not Sunday. That's, right. That's, that would probably be the good one. part. Yeah, that's number one. I'm sorry. Well, the, so what's the second thing you would do to win on Thursday? I mean, it, it it's it's cliche, but it's it's execute. It's it's mm-hmm. it's go with the game plan that I think they had last week against the Panthers, and that's get the ball out quick. Um, unfortunately, I just I don't have any hope for the the Lions running game so I think the Lions need to go up tempo mm. try to keep this Bears defense tired because the only way you're going to slow them is is to tire them down so quick passes get to the line we haven't seen a lot of up tempo out of this team no huddle sort of thing um, on a consistent basis we see it in spurts every now and then or when they fall behind 20 points um, and get into desperation mode they need to to come out with that sort of energy from the beginning because if if they don't then the Bears are going to get to them. They're going to fall behind quickly again, and you don't want to fall behind against this Bears team because if you do, even what the Vikings did on Sunday night was kind of rare in my opinion. Like the, yeah. the Vikings almost got back in that game. They, they weren't really back in that game, but they yeah. almost got there, and, and I don't think most teams are capable of doing that, and I don't think the Lions are one of them considering how shorthanded they are with, with all their offensive weapons gone. So um, they just got to come out and, and, and you know start throwing haymakers right away because if they don't, they're going to fall behind quickly, and, and the game will be over in the first half. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, getting off to a fast start thing. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely it's it was one of my keys to just about every game in 2017 uh, for the Bears was just because it was such a, a thing that just didn't happen with the Bears last year. There was no. I mean, they've got somewhat of a streak, if I'm not mistaken, of coming out and scoring on the first drive. This mm-hmm. year, which is unprecedented for any Bears team, really. <laughs> but you know, for for this team to to keep coming out and at least putting three points on the board, doing something to give the defense to work with uh, in the beginning, so that they're protecting a lead from the very beginning uh, of the football game, and it just kind of snowballed on the Lions uh, the first time around, where one touchdown became two, and then three, and despite Cody Parkey just refusing to put it between. <laughs> the uprights instead of banging them off the of the the upright um you know those eight points that we missed because of him were no factor in the outcome of the game whatsoever so i mean that's uh it was uh i mean 26 to nothing before you guys got that touchdown just before uh the half that's obviously the last thing in the world you want to see have happen uh, a second time yeah, it's a good way to get Matthew Stafford sacked six times in a game is to fall behind twenty six nothing. Yeah, when you when you have to throw and and your your options are limited, yep. you know it 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 wasn't pretty in the uh, in the third. I mean, you you made a run for it at the fourth quarter, and that's uh, you know you you talked about special teams they're not playing well. It's like well, you got our kicker to miss four kicks <laughs> and. You uh, you recovered an onside kick because That's our true. rookie wide receiver decided to bat it forward when he tried to slap it out of bounds and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So special teams got a boost from the Bears. So maybe you guys were riding high on that momentum, and that's what helped <laughs> made the difference against Carolina. So, but, I'll uh, take it. Yeah, but Parky was able to bounce back on Sunday. It was a good thing to, uh, good thing to see. So, well, Jeremy, you know, you're my. I think you're probably my favorite guest that I have on this show, despite oh, the team. 
despite the team that you represent. And, uh, you know, as I said, I've, I've softened on the Lions since Schwartz was let go. I didn't have much of an issue with um, Jimmy Cald. Thank you, Caldwell. And uh, I was like, what is his last name? Caldwell. You know, and the fact that you, you have an offensive coordinator, the same Jim Bob Cooter, who should be somewhere, you know, pheasant hunting and, you know, not, not coaching an NFL offense or, you know, making moonshine in his, his you know, shack you know, somewhere in the hills. You know, a, a lot of Lions fans agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of been sour on him uh, lately, as, as, you know, like you mentioned that last time. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the the general thought is, you know, he he's not Matt Patricia's coach, so he might be on his way out anyways mm-hmm. and he gave, you know, he gave him one buffer year and things obviously haven't turned out as as the Lions would have hoped. So get your Jim Bob Cooter jokes in now because they might not be around <laughs> next year. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Thursday no matter who's under center. It's it's always fun these Thanksgiving games even you know the bears only play once every couple of years uh on on thanksgiving but it's always fun to to watch these games do you enjoy the thanksgiving tradition thing with the lions yeah absolutely outside of the 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 articles that come out every year that says why are the lions on thanksgiving why do we have to sit through the lions in the morning outside of that stuff i love it. it it's one of my favorite traditions it's something that i i have been doing with with my family for for the longest time and uh, until you know my family moved down to Florida, unfortunately, but um, we've been going to the games every year. It's and uh, this will be the first time I'm back in a decade, so it'll kind of be a throwback to those times, which I'm really excited about. And um, it, it's nice to be in the spotlight, even during kind of down years. And mm-hmm. um, you, you never really know what's going to happen on Thanksgiving. The Lions yeah. had a really bad stretch uh, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, but they've bounced back recently. And uh, it, it's always just a fun game, and it's a fun tradition. And I love football and I love food, so it's got to be one of my top holidays of all time. Amen, brother. Amen. I mean, you know, growing up and, and watching those those Thanksgiving games, always the Cowboys and the Lions hosting games, and um, you know, in the '90s, especially when they had Barry Sanders on the team, they could be three and ten going into that game, and it's like you can't count them out, dude. I don't know what it is about the Lions on Thanksgiving Day; they just show up on Thanksgiving Day for some. I don't know if it's the short week that. Because they do it every year, they're just better at it than other teams are or, or whatever the case was. But I remember there was a year you guys played the, the, the Broncos, and the Broncos were like – they were a playoff team. There's no doubt. They're going to the playoffs. They come into the Silverdome. It was still the Silverdome. And Barry <laughs> Sanders ran for like 250 and three touchdowns or something, and, and it was only like your third or fourth win of the season, but you just kicked the crap out of a playoff team because it's Thanksgiving Day. So it's – you know, that – even though it's 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 looking good in the Bears' favor, despite what we might have to deal with at quarterback uh, on Thursday, it's still Thanksgiving, and the Lions have a tradition. And as far as my history is concerned, watching the Lions play, they tend to show up on Thanksgiving Day, so you can't count them out. Yeah, and I mean, just look at it as any other Thursday night game. They're they're weird. Weird things happen. Just true. Uh, so yeah, and and with the Bears obviously coming off the extra shortened week, mm. um, and the Lions coming off a short week of their own, who who knows what's going to happen? Um, I mean, it's just weird to me. I didn't. I don't know if every other team deals it with it this way, but the fact that neither team is like doing a full practice this week, I think, is a big deal that no one really talks about. They're yeah. just doing walkthroughs and. And that alone could could have a huge impact on the game. I don't know who it favors necessarily, but right. 
I, I think expect the unexpected on Thursday. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's um, I've I've never really been a big fan of the Thursday night game, mm-hmm. even though they've done wonders to improve the schedule this year. Uh, instead of just throwing a bunch of crappy divisional games <laughs> at us, they've actually had some decent teams uh, playing uh, each other. The quality of football still isn't that great because these guys are still beat up from a game they sure. played three days ago. Yep. You know, it's just it's not what it should be. And it just seems like even the refs suck on Thursday, you know, because <laughs> they're tired or, you know, playing on a short week is uh, as well. So those Thursday games are usually a mess. I think I think the games taking place this Thursday should be the only Thursday yeah. games, maybe the kickoff game to start off the year. But I don't think Thursday should be a weekly thing. But Fox just gave the NFL like 60 billion dollars for the Thursday night package. So I guess it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, I'm with you, brother. All right. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for uh, for coming back on and, uh, you know, uh, helping us preview the uh, game. Uh, I hope you enjoy the experience being back at home, uh, but I hope you guys lose on Thursday. So I'll you know what? We'll we'll talk during the wild card weekend, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah. After you guys win out, you go six and zero. The Bears will win the division, and you got and we'll host the Lions in Chicago. Wild card weekend. Let's bank on that. How does that sound? I'm booking the flight right now. Absolutely, Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit, and the POD Cast. That's still my favorite podcast name ever. <laughs> and uh, you know, you can see him on uh, Pride of Detroit on SB Nation, and uh, he's got some funny tweets. So you should follow them there as well. Thanks for coming back, man. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure to be here. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.